The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Your hosts are Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, their friends and family with the resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here are your hosts, Sharon and Becky. Welcome. This to uh, Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. I'm Sharon Hennison. I'm a 22-year breast cancer survivor, a certified life coach, and the author of my upcoming book, Thriving Beyond Cancer. And I'm Becky Olson. I'm a three-time, 20-year breast cancer survivor, a professional speaker, and the author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, Sharon and I are also the co-founders of Breast Friends, and today we have a very important and perhaps somewhat controversial topic. Um, when women in prison get cancer, who supports them? Yeah, it is an interesting topic. Um, we've been working in the women's prison now for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. Um, started as a, as a support group for women behind bars with cancer, and um, and. Uh, also, we wanted to make sure that they had the tools that they needed to support their loved ones when those people were diagnosed outside of the prison walls um, with cancer. And, you know, a lot of times people ask us, so what does Breast Friends mission have to do with women in prison? Well, a lot, actually. And when we first started Breast Friends, one of our initial purposes and goals was to teach the friends and family how to be supportive of their loved one who's going through cancer. Well, we found out because a nurse um, who worked at the prison at that time came by our office one day and said to us that there was a problem there. There were women who had um, cancer in prison, and they were not supportive of each other. They, there were some misconceptions that you could catch cancer, and you know, so they would kind of get shunned, and she really needed some group that would be willing to come in and kind of just paint the other side of the picture, you know, tell the truth about all that and help connect, you know, that community and offer support program. So that's what we started doing. That seemed because, you know, Breast Friends is all about filling the holes in the community. And that was a definite huge hole. She said that she had approached several other cancer groups in the Portland area and nobody would touch it because it involved inmates. And because we, again, we don't want to reinvent the wheel and do what other people are doing. And this was a great opportunity for us to really step in and do something important and that was not being done. So that's kind of how we came to be in there to to begin with. Uh, We approached the board. They were all supportive and everybody was totally on board with us doing that. So we actually started going there and we started a support group and that was an interesting thing as it was. But one of the things... Oh, yeah. we'll, Don't you remember that yeah. first support group? There were <laughs> what, about four or five of them and two of us in yep. this tiny little room 
And um, this one gal was sitting over at the corner, and she had her knees pulled up and her <laughs> arms around her knees. And boy, if looks could kill, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, she's the one you don't want to meet no in an idea. alley, right? <laughs> uh-huh. It but. was so, I mean, it was just one of those things where, you know, she was setting the ground rules for her. You know, they, they need to make sure when you're in that environment that, uh, you know, who's the boss and all that kind of stuff. So that's what she was trying to do. Sharon, tell him what thing ever. Yeah, I was going to say, tell him what happened. What, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes into our conversation and past the Kleenex, we got to her that quickly. So it was pretty, pretty cool, actually. I remember she actually broke down. She was the first one to break down and cry, which was really yeah. very touching for all of us. And then the next time we met, um, a week later, she actually walked in the door with a roll of toilet paper, so she was ready. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty funny. Definitely ready for it. (laughs) But that—that's how we started. And then one of the things that came to light pretty quickly was, um, you know, women in the prison do get cancer, and they do um, receive mammograms, you know, which are are state funded. Um, But what was happening is that in order for them to get a mammogram, they had to be escorted out of the prison, which means um, they would have to. Be, that they have to get their appointment, and then they would put them in a in an orange jumpsuit that said inmate, which I understand perfectly makes sense. They would be shackled at the waist and the you know the feet and the hands, and then eventually the transport would come and get them and take them out um, to a local area hospital, and then they would be kind of brought in through the back. But people would see them and they would be stared at. And, oh yeah, they had to be but strip the worst searched. Part. They had yeah. to be. Strip searched before uh-huh. they left, and, and when they came after back. they came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty pretty so. awful. And so what was happening is they were not signing up for a screening mammogram because they didn't want to go through all that. And so by the time many of them would get their mammogram, it was they were very advanced. We actually had one patient who kind of shed light on a lot of this. Um, she ended up. When she was finally released, her cancer had been so advanced in the prison, and they they did the best they could. But by the time they really caught it, it was pretty pretty far advanced. And when she got out, unfortunately, she passed away about a year later. But anyway, yeah. in hearing all of that, we thought, okay, there's got to be a better way to do this. And we knew that a local group, is Tuality Hospital, had what we lovingly refer to as the Mammo Van, which is a mobile mammography unit. And so we reached out to them to see if they might be interested in, in taking this project on if we could get permission from the prison. And we, it took about a year and to cut through all the prison red tape. But finally, and I, I guess it was about 2006, we have a guest we're going to bring on in a second. Um, they started going to the prison, and they're doing mammograms. They're now inside the walls of the prison. So it changed every everything. Month. Every yeah. month. So we have a great so guest cool. today. Her name is Mary Lucas. Mary is with Tuality Hospital, and Mary's been involved in the Mammovan project for a long time. Mary, welcome to our show. Yay. Wonderful. Thank you, Becky and Sharon, for having me. Well, we're so Absolutely. excited you could join us. <laughs> so why don't you tell us about yourself? Sure. Um, how you got involved in all that. What was that? And how you got involved in all of that. Oh, sure, sure. Um, I am currently the breast health manager at Quality Healthcare, which is an OHSU partner now. Um, of course, I didn't always start in this role from day one. It's actually been an exciting journey of how I got here. Um, as uh, previously mentioned in my bio, I did start as a young adolescent volunteering my time with animals at a local animal shelter. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which I thoroughly enjoyed watching owners being united with lost pets or adopting new members to their family. This really fed my desire to reach out more and help people. And thus, I entered our local fire department as a volunteer. And this is where I found my passion in the medical world. Mm-hmm. And I knew I could help. I began working for Quality Healthcare in 1999 and soon came in contact with our mobile mammography program, which we're talking about today. Uh, little did I know that I had found my calling in mammography would spend up, or be the next 12 years of my life enhancing our community. <laughs> wow. This would lead me to encompass the whole breast imaging world. Mm. That's been a really fun road. The mobile mammography program wasn't the adrenaline rush of the lights and sirens that I was used to on the fire department. However, it was a much deeper sense of accomplishment of how I could coordinate screening services for local areas that didn't have access to these return, routine services. I was also able to build that bridge that would allow our mobile program to work with small cities, tribal communities, senior living, and everyday businesses that didn't have access or understand the importance of our regular screening program and how early detection saves lives. I could relate to women who didn't have access to health care and help put them in connection to services that could cover the cost for a screening mammogram, building relationships with the community and the continuation of providing services led me to desire to be even more involved in our technology side of diagnosing patients, and thus I took the next step to become a mammographer. That's great. something special about mammography, and I absolutely Mm -hmm. love meeting patients and taking care of them and providing a more pleasant and exciting exam versus the scary (laughs) pre-notion of how horrible a mammogram is. Listen, yeah, we've, quality, we've been there. Doesn't quality um, deal with a lot of underserved populations anyway, being where you're located? and We do. We do. We serve all of Washington County. We do go up into Columbia County. Um, we used to go down and um, work with some of the f- tribal communities farther south. Um, we travel mm-hmm. basically anywhere and everywhere um, that we can to provide mammography services. That's fabulous. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So, what's it like working with the inmates from your perspective? From my perspective, um, that first trip, when you guys first reached out to me to say, can we bring this program to the prison, I was excited and um, wanted to do this. That first trip was a little intimidating, a little scary. Because <laughs> it was. I, I've never it is the same as our experience. <laughs> <laughs> However, I, I could understand the importance and wanted to make sure that we could provide this for them. Um, so we arrived at the prison that first day and went through a series of steps so we could bring our actual mobile mammography unit into the prison. And just to kind of give an overview about our mobile program, it's a 40-foot mobile digital mammogram van that has everything that's self-contained inside of it. And we have a list of patients that we see, and we um, register patients and provide the mammograms all on site there. Um, So we worked with um, the on-site to bring our program in there, and the first thing that we recognized was the women were so happy to see us. Mm -hmm. And that, that first patient just totally broke our fears and made us feel welcome, which kind of sounds odd, but made us feel welcome there. And um, 10 years later, we're still going there. Um, Mm. Well, that makes me cry. Amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when we were going through this whole process, Becky, I think think it was you that was dealing with the... 
uh, what would his name be? I don't remember what his title would be. The, the guy in charge, whatever, Ma- whoever that it was. It would be Max Williams. <laughs> anyway, he was the Department of Corrections yeah, guy. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, so um, they had started approving this whole process, but then they still said that they, the women would have to still be um, strip searched. And we're like, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. you know, we're, we don't want, I mean, that's the whole point of it. They won't go if they have to go through this horrible, you know, um, humiliating kind of thing under those circumstances. It's just, you know, it's not a have to. So yeah, and Sharon, we, let me just clarify. Um, kind of, let me just clarify something real quick. It, it wasn't actually him that said that. It was just a probably kind of a low-level officer who made that call. Oh, was it? And, okay, yeah, fine. and it was like, uh, no, we're going to pull the plug if that's the case because they still won't sign up. So I think he's the one that probably overrode the whole thing and said, oh no. I mean, I'm not sure how all that came about, but it was, he, you know, he intervened. I'm sure because we got a great letter from him. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so I'm sure yeah. that was the case. But yeah. but yeah, that was the whole point. And and again, going into, you know, behind the the walls, behind the fences that the the women have to stay within, it would make sense that they wouldn't have to do that um, you know, in that environment because they haven't gotten out of their normal space. So, right, good, right. good, good. So, we were talking about, you know, making they were making you feel better. Um, so how did those first few mammograms go? They went excellent. They, it went just like it would for anybody else. Um, that was one of the things the patient said, wow, we get to feel like real human beings again. It's a break from reality. Yeah. It's a break from yeah. prison. It's 15 minutes that just, I think, gives them that inspiration to keep working, to keep trying, to mm-hmm. keep building their confidence. And we hear yeah. from patients Absolutely. all the time. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's, how it's, important do you believe this service is to the prison oh. or to these ladies? Hands down, it's very, very important. Our, our program is a screening program. So that means our women come out there, they're asymptomatic. They have no symptoms, nothing. So there's no indication of any breast problems. And we all know that the earlier we can detect breast cancer, the higher rate of a successful treatment we'll have and the more lives we can save. Another important aspect is we get the opportunity to respect each individual by allowing them to have access to these screening services brought to the correctional facility versus having to go out in the community with the guards and the shackles. So I believe our program is extremely important and allows us to catch it at an earlier stage and have um, easier treatment programs available versus catching it too late. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. That makes complete sense. So... And um, do you have, like, numbers, how many you've really done on an annual basis or a monthly basis um, um, in the prison? Yeah. Um, roughly, just to give you an overview, over the last 10 years, we've performed approximately 2,400 exams. Wow. And yeah. Yay. That's, that's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. And it is. That's like 20 a month, right? Isn't yeah. that what yep. that works out yep. to? Twenty a month, and they weren't doing that before. They weren't. No, they weren't sending twenty of them out a month. That's amazing. Yeah, that's. I crazy. wish I could have the numbers for how many women declined going to get a mammogram before our services. Yeah, twenty four hundred, mm-hmm. twenty a month. That's yeah, that's just twenty more lives saved. 
Yeah, Absolutely. and I know that you've Absolutely. you found some. Again, that's the whole point about mammography. It 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 it, it doesn't change the fact that you might have cancer, but it does change the fact that you can catch it much earlier, and so your success rate of treating that cancer is going to be a lot more successful um, mm-hmm. in the long run. And like you said, save women's lives. Yes. That makes complete sense. Yeah. So um, talk about the emotional state of mind, um, you know, that your experience I guess, you know, how has it affected you, number one, and, and do you think it's affected um, the prisoners more than just feeling like a little, a little slice of human, humanity there? <laughs> yeah. For, for our, us, the experience has been amazing. As a mammographer, it's very rare that you have a patient thank you sincerely from their hearts for coming mm-hmm. and providing mammography services. And mm-hmm. that's the big difference that we get at the prison. <clears throat> All of my technologists tell me trip after trip how awesome it is to hear thank you or to have women tear up and say thank you for giving me the opportunity to either know or put my fears at rest, mm-hmm. um, to right. have that opportunity to feel like a real woman again. Yeah. Amazing. That makes and complete to, sense, yeah. Yeah, and to be a part of that and to get to provide that for somebody and to see that in their eyes is just something that you can't explain in full detail, but it's amazing. You know, we kind yeah, of get I, that because the, when, when we work with these, you know, these patients, excuse me, not patients, we're so used to the word patients, when we work yeah. with the inmates there, they are so often kind of forgotten by society and ignored by society. And, you know, the, the um, staff at the prison, they're really wonderful, and they do everything they can to make their lives, you know, as good as they can. But mm-hmm. to have outsiders come in and demonstrate that they, that they care is a huge thing. And it's not only – I mean, we're going to talk about self-esteem – program we have at the prison at the end of this um, show today, but, you know, they, they feel that when we, we've been going there for a long time, and every time we walk in, they're just so happy to see us because they know we care, and when you guys show up with your mammal van and you're, you're doing, you know, these screening mammograms, people know that you care, and one of the questions that I had, and I don't know if you have these numbers or if you can share them even if you do, but do you have any idea out of the um, say the monthly 20 that you do, how many are actually then sent out for further diagnostic? Um, I would have to say approximately 10%. Okay. Um, that's the average recall rate. Okay. Okay. And um, unfortunately, we're not a part of that recall um, process okay. to the outside facility, so I can't sure. give exact numbers on that part of it. Okay. But about two okay. out of every every uh-huh. 20 that you do get called back mm-hmm. for some other reason. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and, and we, we know because we get the call when they get somebody who's diagnosed with, with cancer because we mm-hmm. go down and, sh- and talk with them and share things and give them, you know, hats and things. So, it's... Right. Um, you know, we know that there's definitely some detection going on there, you know, yeah. which is which is pretty important. So we actually only have 30 seconds to this break, this first break. So we are going to actually take a quick break. Um, we really invite people to call in and ask your questions, you know, make your comments, whatever you feel like you need to do. And our number is 866-472-5792. We're going to take a short break and we'll be back on with our guest, Mary Lucas. Stay tuned.
fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Every day, you hear so much about different aspects of the health and wellness field. One day, you hear one thing, and the next day, you hear something that contradicts what you heard the day before. How do you know what's right? Try tuning in to The Cutting Edge of Health and Wellness today with Dr. Neil Nathan. Our goal is to educate and explore this field with guest experts in order to help you take control of your health and well-being. Listen Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back to our program. We've been talking about what happens when inmates get cancer. Mary, I had a quick question. Um, you know, a lot of times when somebody feels their own lump, um, they go through this process um, at the women's prison. They send a message to the, the medical department. And then I'm assuming you're notified or are they just part of the group that comes that particular month? Do you know? or um, I can speak on our part of it from Quality Healthcare. Um, typically, since we are a screening program, which means we um, do not have a radiologist or a nurse practitioner or um, physician assistant or provider on the unit with us, we do provide screening exams. When we know of a patient that has a symptom, we do um, connect with the provider there at Coffee Creek to let them know what the recommendations would be, and that would be for a diagnostic mammogram. It quite often typically involves the same four views as a regular screening. However, the difference is, is a radiologist will read those images and direct what images to take in addition to that and other exams that can work in conjunction with the mammogram, such as ultrasound or MRI, for example. Great. So if the providers there at Coffee Creek um, feel that this is maybe a benign palpable lump, then they'll have us go ahead with the screening um, and start with that. Um, but in, in general, if there's a symptom, they'll um, go ahead out and go out for a diagnostic workup and get it all taken care of in one trip. Okay, that makes sense. So, That's yeah. so great. Yeah, that, yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, because I know I found my own lump, and I know that was a pretty scary time. And, and unfortunately, you know, when we're in the prison often enough and enough people know us um, that I think, you know, people talk about that kind of thing. Yeah. So when we, we try to kind of get our health message across as far as getting your mammograms and, and uh, you know, make sure you kind of know your own breasts. So 
if a, a lump appears, you can definitely, um, you know, get that tested. So that makes sense. Yeah, and I think you just said something that was really important is word gets out in, in the prison that we're there and they hear about the services and how amazing it is versus having to go out um, and be guarded with two guards, go out shackled in the jumpsuit, as you said, into public. And it becomes a popular um, event there, which is exciting because it means more and more <laughs> women are getting screened. Absolutely. You know, we've been going there 10 years, right? And you guys come on a different day than we go. And mm-hmm. But one time it kind of coincided, and Sharon and I were walking from the, from the front you know, security building into the actual you know, units where the inmates are. We saw it sitting mm-hmm. out there, and my Aww. heart leapt. It's like, oh, there it is. Look, look, look. <laughs> and I, got, I mean, I know I've, it sounds silly, but... I got so excited because, you know, we'd been hearing about it. We knew you were there. You know, we knew it all worked out. We knew you were seeing people. But to see the van, and it's so pretty. It's all decorated pretty. It's not like this army green kind of thing. It's really beautiful. To see it sitting there, it just looks happy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, One quick quick question on the mammo van itself. Now, um, I know 3D mammography is, you know, kind of the newest, uh, greatest thing. Did I hear that you guys were doing a capital campaign to get one, you know, get a 3D mammogram machine? Yes. Um, Currently, we have 3D here in our breast clinic. But for our mobile mammography clinic, we have a, a wonderful 2D direct digital unit. Um, and we are beginning the process to work towards a 3D mammography unit. Um, mm-hmm. This does entail us buying a whole new mammography um, van, um, wow. which is not um, cheap. We'll put it that way. No, I'm <laughs> um, sure it's not. So, <laughs> so we, we are in the process of beginning the fundraising uh, towards a 3D mobile mammography unit. And um, we are very excited to have this technology to offer to our community, and um, we'll be beginning that here in the next couple months. So that's great. That's so how, how yeah. much does that does that mammography van? I mean, I know you're at the prison once a month, and it goes to other places. How many days a month is it actually out in the communities doing something? We operate five days a week. Wow! Monday through Friday, um, we work ten-hour shifts, and we oh. during the summer. Um, we operate more than that. We attend several of our farmers markets, um, most often here in Hillsborough and our surrounding areas such as Forest Grove and North Plains. In addition, we try to attend other um, cancer awareness programs throughout the communities on the weekends. So summers, uh-huh. we're on the road a lot. <laughs> I guess. That's My great. goodness. That's a yeah. wonderful service that you're offering. I'm so glad you're doing it. You know, yeah. let's switch gears for just a second because I know that there's probably people listening right now who are thinking, well, what does this cost? And, you know, and honestly, we understand that this has been quite a cost savings because in the old technology, or the old before you guys got there, the old method is, you know, besides the, the people having to be, you know, going out in shackles and all that stuff, they had to go with armed security to the facility. That has to cost money. And, and then, hours, you know. And hours, when, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, the and inmates would be gone for a long time. So if any of them were working at jobs, they were off the job because they had to go do that. And, and then, so you've got the transport issue and then you're paying you know at a hospital or whatever so that that's kind of the same norm but then you got to bring them back through security and it's very expensive you know to to run it that way and i understand that there's been a significant cost savings i know you probably don't have those numbers but you know tell, talk to us for whatever you can or whatever you do know about mm-hmm. that how does it work with the van are there extra charges what's the deal Good, good questions. 
our mobile program is no different than receiving a mammogram here in the clinic or at the hospital. Um, All billing goes through the same way through insurance, and there is absolutely no extra cost to bring our mobile unit to a site and perform mammograms. Um, our Our small requirement is that we have patients lined up. So that way we are making the best use and most efficient of our time and Mm -hmm. also the facility's time of where we're visiting. Um, Other than that, there is no extra cost associated with it. That's great. So the the state of Oregon is saving all the money on the on not transporting the the people. They're not paying you an extra fee to have you come. It's just mm-hmm. whatever they were paying for a mammogram before, they're paying for that now. But they've got right. all those other that's you know, that's really amazing. And you know what my ultimate hope would be from this program today? The prisons all over the country would think about doing something similar because too many women are not getting screened that need to be, you know, a lot of these women have children, you know, they're in prison for who knows what reasons, and we're never there to judge, but, you know, a lot of them there, they cry when they think about their kids, they want to get out, and, you know, if they're facing cancer, and especially advanced stage cancer, they kind of wonder if they will get out, and if they're going to die in prison, I mean, there's just so many emotions, and if this can be eliminated by bringing in mammography units, and we know that they're all over the country in different places, but... I would love to see this catch on like wildfire, you know. I really, really would. And I think you guys are providing an amazing service. And I I remember when I reached out to Tuality to begin with on that first phone call, I asked. It was kind of like, oh, what if they don't want to do it? And you guys (laughs) jumped on it. It was like, oh, this is such an underserved population. And that's really what the mammography unit is for, is to work with underserved populations and there's probably not many more underserved than the inmate population yeah would, for sure. would you agree with that i agree wholeheartedly with that it's yeah. very true and we jump yeah. at the opportunity to bring it um our mobile mammography services to any area um that is in need of that and there's multiple dynamics to that um you know, it provides the mammography screenings education answers um you name it and it's it's phenomenal, and you, you don't think about how often women overlook the importance of a mammogram. Yeah, and right. so just having yeah. this rolling through the community puts that back in their mind. And well, it's kind of like the social oh, event of the month, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> the important part is it just puts it there to, you know, go get your mammogram. It's important, yeah. and, it, and it's true. We have it on the side of our mobile unit for a reason. It's 15 minutes that may save your life. That's and great. most of us have 15 minutes we can spare. So yeah. Absolutely. So the fact that you go out to farmer's markets and, you know, different um, events and things like that, that's amazing. So so are you able to, to really um, get a, a lot of, I guess, takers on, on doing the mammogram when you're in those kind of environments? I hadn't really thought about it in those environments. Yeah. Um, we usually, when we go to our farmer's market, it's after we've already provided a day of services at another location. Um, so we go to the farmer's market to provide education, to schedule, and we okay. can perform mammograms on site. And so I, I believe in one night we did eight, which is pretty good oh, uh, for a couple great. hours. Yeah. So right. do you guys um, bill insurance then uh, uh, on situations mm-hmm. like that? People just bring their insurance card and do you bill the insurance or is that yep. something they yep. have to do? You we do are it. fully wow. self-contained. We have everything wow. inside. We have an office with registration. We have um, changing rooms and a full uh, digital oh. suite there. So we are fully 100% contained and can take wow. care of everything. Once you walk through the doors, you hardly know you're in a mobile unit. You're all of a sudden wow. transformed into an office, which is pretty incredible. 
And you only have one patient at a time, so you have total discretion. I mean, it's, wow, what an amazing service you guys are providing the community. And we just applaud you and thank you and... Honest, that's that's incredible. So good yeah, job. Thank thank, Mary, thank you that. so much Wonderful. for being on our thank show. <laughs> we really enjoyed having you and, and learning a little bit more about that mobile mammogram. <laughs> that's why I call it the mammo van. It's much yeah, easier. Really. My mind's mixed up there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I really, truly appreciate the opportunity um, to be here with you guys and bring more information about our mobile program, especially with the PRISM, and um, we appreciate this a lot. Absolutely. So, Mary, one more question. If somebody, if another group, whether you're not the PRISM, but if another group who's not currently using your services wanted to inquire about bringing the unit to their facility, um, mm-hmm. how would they go about doing that? Can they reach you online or phone number, or what would they do? Yes. I can give you um, our email address and our phone number. Okay, why don't you go um, ahead and just say that right now because we I sure can list this. Yeah, go ahead. So email address is mobile, M-O-B-I-L-E dot mammography, M-A-M-M-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y at quality, and that's T-U-A-L-I-T-Y dot org, O-R-G. So mobile.mammography at quality.org. And the phone number to our mobile unit is 503-936-7149. And we welcome any questions or inquiries about our program. That is wonderful. Well, you know, this will be in the archives, so if they miss it on this show. In fact, if any of you are listening and you miss some of the details, you can listen again tonight at 10 p.m. Pacific time, or you can download it from our archives in about an hour after the show is over. So um, love to love to have you on the show. It was so great, Mary. Thank you Wonderful. for being part Thank of you our so much. I message today. It. All right. You well, you take care. Have a great day. You and too. So, Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. So, Sharon, let me ask you something. You developed an amazing program about self-esteem. And I know one of the things we decided to do was bring it to the prison and because there was a very specific need, need there. And why don't you talk a little bit about your self-esteem program and why the prison? Be happy to, yeah. The self-esteem, I, I, I guess my feeling is all women need better self-esteem. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in the, you know, four walls of that prison or if you're, you know, living in suburbia. It doesn't really matter. We all can use more self-esteem, more confidence, um, understanding about boundaries and when to say no and when to say yes. Um, And so that's why I think when... After I'd put that together, um, we were feeling like, you know, what can we do? What more can we do for these ladies in the prison? And so that's when we set that up. And, oh, my gosh, don't don't you love it, Becky? It's just a great great. program. It's great. We've been doing that for about five or six years now. We changed our program, and now we go down there, you know, once a month. And our classes have grown, and, and we're doing it in medium security, which the women's prison doesn't have a maximum but that's where they would be too. <laughs> um, and then we do minimum in the afternoon. And these ladies beam and they, they glow. When we walk in there, they're just, they're happy to see us. And 
And, you know, part of my thought process on this is, you know, we're, again, going back to our roots of breast friends, you know, teaching friends and family how to be supportive of each other. Well, they are their friends and family. You know, when one of them gets diagnosed with with cancer, they can't call their family on the outside and say, hey, I just got diagnosed. Would you come and see me? I need my friends around me. Well, it doesn't work that way. You know, they do have visitors, but it doesn't, they can't just surround them like that. So they are their friends and family. And in order to build a better community within, they have to feel better about themselves. Absolutely. Like we, like we always say, they can't give what they don't have. And mm-hmm. so, Sharon, I, I just think that what you've created, and, you know, I know you started it with, with your the patients that we have here, but bringing mm-hmm. it into the prison, and we'll kind of do, when we get back from the next break, um, which is coming up in just a few minutes, we'll kind of go through some of the the content, you know, maybe the different subjects that we talk about and why each of those matters. But but it's kind of, it's been interesting. What, what I love, Sharon, is when they walk in the room and sometimes they come in, they sign up for this class, but they don't really know what it is because they're, maybe they're new there and they walk or in. Or somebody and go, else signed yeah. them up for it. <laughs> Yeah, trick. Like, here. <laughs> yeah, it's like their friends sign them up because they know they need it, but they don't know <laughs> the person doesn't know that they need it. Right. So they they walk in, they go breast friends. I don't have breast cancer. Why am I in this room? You know, and it's it's always when they do stay, it's kind of like wow, this is pretty cool stuff. You know, and, well, and it takes. The reality is, you do have to be ready for Mm -hmm. this kind of information you know if you are so angry and so like not willing to listen or to open up you know you're gonna get um out of this class what you put into it and I I'm very open about that and if they aren't ready for this then they can go on do something else because you know we really want the women who are really ready to make some of these decisions and make some changes so I think that's an important message that comes out of this group as well yep and sometimes they just really don't think they need it. I remember one lady walked in. She goes, what is this class? It's a self-esteem class. Oh, I don't need self-esteem. And she walked out. <laughs> it's like, okay, but somebody signed her up for it. So she must actually more than she thinks. But, yeah, probably. But anyway, it's, it's, a, it's been a great program. Um, when we first started going, and or not, excuse me, we started going with the support group concept. And then when we changed it five or six years ago, it took a little while to build the program. Because the program, to get all the way through the self-esteem material, Materials takes, we kind of guess, you know, somewhere between five and seven months. And it, because it's only once a month and it's only for about an hour and 15 minutes. So, you know, you could do the whole thing in two days, but because we only have little short times to go, it takes a while. And then, of course, sometimes we, um, we get dis- not distracted, but what's the word I want? We digress a bit sometimes because of the conversation course. takes a natural turn a different direction and, yeah. and it's important. And so, then it might take eight months. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's all very important information. And we, it's, I, I find it fascinating how each class, the dynamics is different. You can be going yeah. over some of the same kind of materials from time to time. But, again, they're ready to absorb it at different times. Yeah. Or different conversations will come up or different people will be in the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody who maybe is really quiet most of the time and all of a sudden they find their voice. So there's a lot of really wonderful pieces that come out of this. Yeah. 
Yep. And, and what I've also noticed is that some of the gals that have been with us for a really long time have gone on. They're still in there, but they're doing some things that they weren't doing when we first met them. They're involved with the hospice program because the prison has a hospice program. So some of our gals that we've worked with are involved in that. We've got one that's been raising dogs because a lot of the service dogs are trained in the prison. So yeah, she works with the program. service dogs. Great. Yeah. And, you know, so they're, they're finding a, a way to connect in a different kind of manner. And the whole goal here is when they get out, they're better able to make some different choices. Absolutely. So, um, and, and I think we're seeing that already, you know, in place. So we're actually getting ready to take another break. So we will, um, again, encourage our callers to call in at 866-472-5792 and stay with us um, through the break. And we'll come back and we'll finish up with just explaining more about that program. So talk to you soon. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned into Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Becky at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. We've been talking about what happens when women in prison um, get cancer. And we um, have shifted gears just a little bit. And we're going to talk about now what Becky and I do in the women's prison around self-esteem. So one of the things that we were talking about, and, and I wish I had some some figures on this, but I know that this class is making a difference on recidivism is that how you say it <laughs> I, something like that yes yeah yeah <laughs> the, the, when yeah. when when prisoners come back to prison um because we've had so many women in our classes in our self-esteem classes who um have been there a couple times two mm-hmm. three times and they're actually now using the programs that are in the prison 
designed to help them stay out of prison, to make better choices. And I think that's what self-esteem is all about, is, is understanding, number one, that you can make different choices, that you actually are worthy, that you 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 can say no. You can say yes to the good things in your life, and you can say no to the things that aren't good for you, right? Yeah, and, and I think we can all use that. <laughs> you know? Oh, exactly. Like I said in the last segment, I think all women need better self-esteem. And so I think it's a really important piece that that they have kind of started to embrace in a bigger way. I mean, I think it was a successful program from the beginning. But this last, like, year and a half or so, I really feel like we've we're really making some difference in that community that they really understand that, that they don't have to live the lifestyle that they had on the outside, that they Mm -hmm. do have choices. And that's huge. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that we talk about a lot, you know, besides the boundaries, which is huge because a lot of the ladies, honestly, they're in there because they don't have good self-esteem. They have very poor confidence and, they think that if they say no to their circle of friends that they will be shunned. And they're they're coming to learn that maybe being shunned by that circle of friends is is an okay thing. But that's where they kinda get they get caught up in things. A lot of them were along for the ride and and now they're doing their time. And we don't we don't discount that at all. I mean, if they did the crime, they gotta do the time, so they say. But that doesn't mean that they're bad people. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, for some people, and myself included, I mean, sometimes it's just that one fine little decision between saying, yes, I'll go do that terrible thing, or no, I'm not going to go do that terrible thing. That little decision saved me a prison sentence. And, you know, we all, again, all do dumb stuff in our youth. Picture the worst thing you ever did, and then picture that being on the front page of the newspaper, and then you're in prison. You know, that's it happens and, and but being these, caught for it and yeah. having to yeah. you know and and sometimes again sometimes our naivety is is a problem you know we don't know what we've gotten involved in until we're right. so deep in it and then and then we don't have the confidence or self-esteem to back out or exactly. to say no in those kinds yep. of situations yep. and that's exactly what so many of those ladies especially the ones in minimum i think um, really have have dealt with in in a in a bigger way. Yeah. So let's just talk a, a few minutes about some of the stuff we cover, since okay. you know we have a little bit of time to do that. Um, the boundaries, like we were talking about, is just such a huge issue um, in in all of our lives. Knowing where I stop and you start, you know, am I really responsible for you? Not really. No, I'm not. And so being able to understand that, yes, I can say no to you. And yeah, I, you might have a bad reaction. You might not like my decision. You may get mad at me. You may withhold love. You may do all of these things. But ultimately, I cannot control that. Right. It's true. I have to look out for myself. And I know that's really hard because especially <laughs> as women, we are such caregivers. We we want to please people. But mm-hmm. the problem is that pleasing gets us into trouble. And in, in the <laughs> cases of these ladies in the prison, obviously, it's got them in really hot water. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, and, and, you know, sometimes I think, okay, if you're, if you're a child and you're listening to this, the rules are a little different. Yes, mom does control you. <laughs> well, not really, but, you know, <laughs> but she's going to try really hard. But when you're dealing with adults, you know, people are, in, are entitled to live their life. And, and it is, there are micromanagers. I know because I am one of them. And I have tried really hard to learn. <laughs> you? That are you kidding? No, no, no. <laughs> For a second, ask my kids. They're all grown up now, and I still. Where are you? What are you doing? Why aren't you home? You know. Yeah, <laughs> but so that's fun. the worry. So you know, there, there's a line between worry and and intrusion. And you know, I'm always going to be a worrier. That's never going to change. But but you know, intruding into their space and trying to control what they're doing, I can't do that. I cannot. So why try? You know, it's it's their life. They're going to make decisions. But if we can give them the tools to make sure that those decisions are based on what they really want and not what they're being tricked into doing or, you know, forced into doing or threatened into doing, that that's when they can start to make better choices. And they're making better choices in the prison um, where they used to think, as we mentioned earlier, that, that people thought cancer was contagious and so when they find out one of their friends had cancer they wouldn't share their bite of an apple or they wouldn't let them take a sip off their coffee cup anymore we heard that very specifically because they were afraid they wouldn't even let them sit by them well they now know that that's not true and we used to go into the prison and do um, you know presentations and actually invite the the women to come in and just do a presentation on that whole thing and kind of blew those myths out of the water so you know really helpful Becky too because again sometimes in a group environment like that people can ask questions or at least absorb the information without having to you know kind of set themselves apart from yeah. from the group and so it's really important and sometimes you don't know what you don't know <laughs> and <right>. so <laughs> you know if you'd heard that and unless that myth had been debunked how would you know exactly that's not true yeah exactly. so so um, unfortunately some of those things um are are learned behaviors um whether it's um you know understanding boundaries and and these kinds of things as well those are all learned behaviors and unfortunately some of the people who have who are in prison well even out of prison mm-hmm. haven't had the best modeling haven't had the best mentors in their life Correct. and even if you did there's Things that we get involved in that all of a sudden affect our self-esteem. One of the one of the um, exercises we go through is looking at our timeline, like our you know when we were a kid or a teenager or young adult or in our thirties, forties, fifties, whatever, and deciding how our self-esteem was in those time frames. And I know sometimes that is a little bit of an eye-opener for people because they'll go, well, yeah, when I was a kid, I, you know, everything was great. And then all of a sudden I got into high school or middle school. And I remember, oh, I had to get glasses or I had, you know, my feet grew so fast <laughs> or well, whatever it is, you know. And, and all of a sudden they felt bad about themselves and they didn't have someone or a community around them to hold them up and and tell them that that was okay and they were beautiful anyway and all these things and then we you know want attention from our male counterparts and um Mm -hmm. you know then we get ourselves into all sorts of stuff and then you add the sex component into it and oh boy you know everything goes all of our judgment kind of goes out the window sometimes and so um Knowing that you can say no 
even in this very crazy society where, you know, on the third date it happens or maybe sooner, um, you know, you can actually slow things down and, and make different decisions. And mm-hmm. if, if drugs are added into the perspective, you can say no. You need to know your own limits and what you want out of life. And so this class really allows just really um, upbeat conversations about topics that we don't normally have with each other. And um, I think that's very helpful. Can you Mm -hmm. remember a specific situation, Becky, that you were taken back by? Um, you know, you mean in my personal life or at the prison? I'm sorry. At the prison, yeah. yeah, yeah you know, sorry. I think the one thing that always gets me when we go to the prison is when we finally, when we get to the point, you know, we kind of go through the whole, all the different topics, you know, boundaries and fear and and um, anger and all these different emotions and things that kind of people go through. When we finally kind of come to the end and we start talking about the rest of their lives, I think that there's some really awesome aha moments we've had in there. And I know we don't have a lot of time left, but Sharon, I would really love it if, because I think this was one of those moments is the first time that you shared that book that you read about halftime. And I know you, if you can tell it quickly, um, sure, but sure. I think that that book sends such a message. And the last time I kind of went through it again with the girls because you were out of town mm-hmm. and they were going, they all remembered it. They're going, oh yeah, yeah. And they, they loved it and it meant so much to them. So why don't you share that quickly with what that absolutely, means? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I read this book and it was a wonderful book and I think it was called Halftime. I'll look it up real quick just to make sure. But um, it, it talked about all of our I'll lives. Look it up, you talk. <laughs> okay, good. All of our lives, um, we come to a place that we have a halftime. We have a place, and and he equated a, a football game. So if you can imagine how we react in a football game. Now I never played football, but I've watched them. So the players go out there and they oh, they're just you know running and hitting and you know doing everything they possibly can to. Um, Increase, increase their ground and get the touchdowns and do everything that they can. Well, halftime comes. And so what do they do in halftime? They reflect on what they did well, what maybe they could change or tweak in the next half. And then they go out on their second half with a little different attitude. Um, they go in there with some better knowledge. They, they move to the second half and they can do things different and hopefully bring in a win, right? That's, that's the ultimate from a football game. Exactly. But from our life, you know, we kind of have those halftime moments as well. And they can be moments or they can be years. Um, 27 of them for some of them. <laughs> yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> and if you're in the prison, it could be a long time. Um, but that might be your halftime. So this is actually a blessing in so many ways yeah. that we can actually slow down, reflect on what's been going on in our life, figure out what's working, mm-hmm. figure out what we want to change. And then when we go into the second half of our life, then we can go into it with a little more information, with a little better direction, and hopefully then be able to get to the end of our life without regrets and really live the life that we're designed to live. 
You know, so I remember in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, when you introduced it the first time in the class, I saw one girl over in the corner. Her eyes, she got watery eyed, and she started patting her heart like, "Oh my!" And I mean, it really touched her because I think that's the first time. Because they, some of them have said, well, "We're just in here losing time." No, you're actually not losing time. You know, you have the same amount of time as the rest of us. It's what you're doing with it. Exactly. And when you think of it in terms of halftime, this is your chance to figure out what. what went wrong and get it right for what, for the next time. And I think it is it the book called Halftime Changing Your Game Plan from Success to Significance yes. by Bob Buford. Yes, that's exactly okay. it. And okay. and I have to admit the 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 book does have a little bit of a Christian bent to it. Because okay. I think what happens is um, many of us when we kind of take a break or we take our half time maybe it's at retirement um and and at that point we want to make sure that we have lived a significant life and so many times the things we do um may have something to do with how do we give back and and um you know living our lives for god so and you know something sharon we only have a minute left so i just want to add one one last thing one of the things we do in the class toward the end is we really kind of sit down and think about our legacy how we want to be remembered and if you don't want to be remembered for all the junk in the past then you need to change what happens going forward because all we have is from this point forward we don't have we can't change anything in the past not a bit and absolutely when we get to that point and that's probably worthy of a whole show all by itself but yep. when we get to that point with these ladies towards the end of the the series it's pretty awesome but we are actually out of time doggone it and it's been a great conversation and i just really hope people will embrace this and listen to it and maybe change their opinion on some things and we will be back next week and we just want to remind you Until then, remember, there is always hope, and we're here to help you find it. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hannafin and Becky Olson again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is always hope, and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.